Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. We are honored to have on again our friend, Dr. Ali Matsu. <laughs> How are you doing, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me back. I guess I didn't scare away too many of the listeners. <laughs> no, 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 you're, no. One of, you're one of our, if not our top podcasts. Oh, well, that makes me feel <laughs> warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> Well, it should. I mean, uh, I think that's a pretty good little thing to have on, you know, on the resume there. Not too bad. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, can you write that down so I can send <laughs> yeah. it to my, to my parents? I'll be like, yeah. your parents look. will be like, yeah. 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 I'm used okay. to it. I'm yeah. used to it, man. Yeah. Stick mobility? Like, what? <laughs> they're like, they're like, did you make that up? No, it's real. It's a real company. No, okay. they'll be like, how much are they paying you for no. this? <laughs> uh, very true, very true. We wanted to have you on because we want to delve or at least start to talk about and chip away at mindset. Yeah. And it's, I, it's a hot know, it's word a, right now. It is. It really is. I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, what am I going to talk about? Because this can go in so many different directions. But before before I sort of uh, sort of pick this up, I'm, I'm kind of interested to hear both of your perspectives. How has this been coming up in your work with your clients? And like, what what do people tend to like think about it? Well, I mean, you could even start with like just at home, right? With kids. Yeah. Because let's say like Nova doesn't want to do something, even though it's something she's done all the time, but like you kind of shift the way that you talk to her and make it more fun. Right. So it seems, so you're changing her mindset to it's more of like, Hey, this is more play than this is like something that I just have to do. Then all of a sudden you see you com- a completely different mood and Hey, I'll go do this. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, to training, it, it's like that a lot too. Maybe we have someone that really doesn't enjoy it or doesn't want to be there. So you have to find a way uh, to shift their mindset and make it fun and then have them understand the benefits of why we're doing this. And that, and it completely changes their outlook on things. It's like, okay, you know, I do need to do this because it's going to help me with this. And we're going to do it in a way that's more enjoyable. Dennis, what about for you? Well, I think branching off of that, it's when you change the mindset, is there an actual physical effect? Mm. Does that accelerate physical improvements yeah even like with injuries when someone gets injured the way you approach the injury the rehab two individuals let's take two individuals the same exact injury same exact diagnosis why is one person going to probably recover a little bit quicker than the other is that due to the way they approach it their mindset of the injury and if that's the case how did it affect the actual physical aspects and does it affect the physical aspects? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the answer here is D all of the above to, mm. to what you all mentioned here, Neil, when you're talking about like how you present something to kids, I was just thinking about how sometimes cleaning up with my daughter, it's like, if I just play the cleanup song, yeah. we're all good. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a song <laughs> Like clean up, clean yeah. up, everybody <laughs> clean up. I put that on and it's like a different world. Now it's like a game, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, and like the whole idea of like how we see pain 
And Dennis, what you're talking about with like rehab and healing, like I, I think how we how we see that does make a huge difference in in how we're recovering. I think the challenge with mindset is it's such a trendy thing right now. And people are using it in so many different ways that the danger I think becomes when we make it seem like, oh, just think about it like this and you're good. Okay. You know, because it's it's not that simple. It's not as simple as turning on the cleanup song and like everything is different mindset, how we see things, how we understand them, how we view them, our beliefs about it. It's a lot of stuff. I think you're getting into how we learn information. I think we're getting into how people see themselves. We're, we're getting into what a lot of sports psychologists do with like peak performance. How do you help an athlete really show up to game day ready, ready to perform. It's all of those different things for, I think a lot of listening to this podcast, you're probably working with two sets of people, people who are probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, you're probably working with clients who might be new or like coming back, um, trying to be more, uh, physically fit, trying to be more healthy. They're, they're like getting back into this or starting mm-hmm. for the first time. And then you probably have a lot of people that are more, I don't want to say elite, but much more experienced mm-hmm. and are trying to get to the next level. Is, does that sound right? Like that's a good amount of people that that's like a good amount of your clients. Yeah. I'd say yeah, that. Yeah. And then I'd say the, the kind of that pain rehab side of things too, is a big, right. is a big mm-hmm. part of it. Right. So let's, think about mindset for like these three groups of people. And if we break it down to the, well, that first set, the people who might be new, they're kind of trying to get back into this, all of that sort of stuff. They just might not have any of the context or history, vocabulary, language, any of the like mental muscles formed to understand a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. It's like, if you're learning how to play basketball, you so have to start with the very basics, right? Of like, how do you hold a ball? How do you dribble a ball? How do you shoot? Before you get into like anything that's more advanced about like, how do you play defense? How do you play offense? All that sort of stuff. You got to know the basics and people don't have the language, the vocabulary, the skills to do that. So when it comes to developing a mindset that is really helpful for people when they're getting started. A lot of that, you got to actually start with their identity. Like, mm-hmm. how do they see themselves? Who are they associating with? Because if someone sees themselves as, I'm lazy, I'm unhealthy, I've never been fit, nothing works for me, they already have a way of seeing themselves and seeing the world that is going to make it hard for them to make any progress Mm -hmm. with their goals. So a big part of what you have to do in that moment is help the person get to a mindset and an identity that you can be more healthy. You can achieve your goals. Last time we were on the show, uh, last time we were on the show, you're always on the show. Both of you are always there. You never go, as far as I know, you've been sitting on that couch for like the last year. <laughs> we should have switched sides just to mess with you. Uh, last time I was on the show, 
we were talking a lot about some of this kind of stuff, like like how people see themselves and, and, and all of that. But when you're starting out, you have no context for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing you got to unpack is is that identity and help people get to a place where they are identifying as someone who can start to make progress on these things. Honestly, a lot of that mindset shift comes from being around other people who have that same identity. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, you know, if I want to become like an esports champion, mm-hmm. but I'm surrounded by people who don't even understand what esports are, who don't understand video games, like I'm not going to make any progress at all. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't get it. I need to be around other people who are working on the same stuff. So we're kind of talking the same language. I can learn from them. I feel like I'm part of this community. Once you do that, your mindset already starts shifting. I mean, one of the easiest ways to get people to stop smoking is to identify as a non-smoker. Because once you start doing that and you start thinking, okay, what does a non-smoker do in this situation? What decision would they be making? But the easiest way to get to that point is actually be around other people who are doing that. And one more thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to shut up because I, 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 want to, I want to unpack all this with you. The other tricky thing about working with someone who's, who's just getting started with, and, and getting them to a mindset that helps them make progress on their goals, you got to bridge new information with old information, right? So just like I was doing, I was talking about like esports and basketball and like the cleanup song. When someone doesn't really know anything about a topic, you got to figure out what do they know a lot about Mm -hmm. and like what examples and what analogies from that can I use to help them understand this new idea that they don't know. So like, I think it's, it's those two things, like bridging new information with old information and unpacking what someone's identity is and then what, what identity is going to help them to make forward progress on their goals. So a lot of, yeah. So part of it is just changing their environment and the people they hang around with, because if you want them to be, like you said, change their identity, then changing the environment is probably a good starting point to that then. Yeah. I think that's what we're, that's one of the other topics we were talking about last time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm all about making change as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. And when you're hanging out around people that are making it hard for you to make progress on your goals, that's a mm-hmm. big problem. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're just, you're just going uphill. You're fighting everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, guys, this is one of the things that's been made very difficult by the pandemic. I, I think it's getting, it's a lot better now, but like for a long time, people haven't had a lot of options for being around physically around other people who have the mindset that they're trying to get to, you know, it's really hard to do this kind of stuff on your own. If you don't already have some of the healthy mindsets that are going to make progress here. Like one of the things when I was trying to finish grad school, I was so terrified of like a, a blank page, a blank document. Cause it's like, how the hell am I going to write this paper? Like, how the hell am I going to write this thing? How am I going to get started? And I would type and I would erase. I would type and erase, type and erase. So I actually, I started working with a dissertation coach to help me finish my oh. dissertation, that big last project you got to get done mm. uh, before you get your PhD. And what she taught me 
is you just, Ali, you just got to get to a crappy draft. You just got to get words on the paper so that it's a living document. Like, that's it. Like, get some real crappy sentences on there. I'm not talking a rough draft. I want this to be a filthy, disgusting <laughs> piece of crap draft. And like, as she was talking about that, it really changed my perspective. Because I so thought I have to get this right. It needs to sound good. I would type a sentence, erase it. That's not good. And then as she was helping me to think about things in this way, I was like, oh, no, no, hold up, hold up. My goal here is just to like fill out this page. That's it. Like, let's make it, let's make it really stinky. And then we'll go back later and we can start working on it. It's those kinds of things. Like when you're starting out, you're not going to naturally know how to think about this stuff, you know? You got to work with someone else who already knows. You got to be around the people that have been doing this longer than you have. Well, I know, Neil, you told me just earlier today that one TED Talk that you just heard about where the lady was talking about blood panel improvement on workers. Oh, yeah. So there was uh, there were these basically hotel maids and throughout the day, they're really physically active burning tons of calories. And they asked them if, if they thought that they got a good amount of exercise, but they didn't relate their work to exercise. Huh. So they, anyways, they took their, their blood pressure, their, their different vitals. This is before they actually told them, you know, the benefits of what they're doing. And then they told them here, you know, with all this movement you're getting in all this exercise, all the calories you're burning, this is what's happening, right? You're getting mm-hmm. so much exercise. This is, this is what it's good for. They started to feel better about themselves. They started to enjoy their work more because they could see that the benefit of their work was actually, hey, I'm actually getting exercise while I'm doing mm-hmm. this. And then, you know, weeks later, they they did their vitals again and noticed that there were some drops in, in blood pressure and in different blood levels without adding a training program or changing their diet. And I love that. You know, that, that reminds me of something I've spoken with a lot of my clients with when when we talk about, especially people might be struggling with depression. A lot of the treatments around depression are about helping people to get more active and doing more of the things that make them feel good. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people that once you start making the changes, your thoughts will change later. You know, some mm-hmm. sometimes you need to change the actions and then the thoughts follow. Sometimes it's the opposite. But with depression, it's about getting some movement going and then, and then people think about it differently. But one of the things that I always run into, I mean, I'm curious if if you both have run into this is sometimes if I frame things like exercise or workout, there's like resistance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if I frame it as movement, just like you just did, Neil, different, you know, get your body moving. Let's get you outside and get you working in the garden. Mm -hmm. for 10 minutes, you know, let's get you walking around the block, get some fresh air. Like it might not bring up that kind of resistance. So one of the things I think everyone here should be doing when you're working with your clients is when you, when you say like, okay, we're going to, we're going to start working on, on doing like, if you use the word exercise, like we're going to work on, on having you do this exercise. But before we even do that, like when I say exercise, what comes to mind? Like what's mm. that bringing up? What kind of images are bringing up? That's your way in to what their current mindset is. You can't really change someone's mindset unless you know where it already is right now. So you got to unpack that stuff because what's 
especially for people who are newer or trying to get back in, there is all sorts of probably really unhealthy, unhelpful mindsets that people have, just like a lot of Americans have developed. Like, I don't even know about like other countries, but I know in America, I mean, we got a real complex relationship with health. You know, it's like Uh be healthy, be sexy, be fit but also eat some burgers, like, you know, like get these giant Doritos, like supersize that, that thing, you know? So I guarantee a lot of folks early on have mindsets that like, if you don't ex- explore and unpack them, they're going to get in the way of a lot of your, a lot of their, um, their health goals. Yeah. I think that's a reason why, you know, for, for someone that needs cardiovascular exercise, but doesn't want to do it, like I know Dennis and I will just recommend, Hey, go, just go find an activity you like to do, like go hiking, go, go walk. And that, that seems like an easier way in. And then maybe from there, they, they get a passion because when you're passionate about something, it's, I mean, your, your mind, you're there. You don't have to be told what to do. And I, I've found that to be a way for them to, to explore movement or maybe have this better relationship with, with exercise. Totally. And, and tying it, um, another way to do it, to get this mindset shift, we're talking about identity and you can also tie someone's new fitness goals to their existing identities. So one of the things that I've learned as a dad is how important squats are. Like I'm doing squats all the time. I'm picking up toys. I'm lifting up. uh, I'm lifting up my daughter. I'm moving a bunch of crap all the time. You know, like I never, I didn't have to do all this stuff before. It was like rare, but like now I'm, I'm all about, I'm all about squats. And so like, um, I'm starting to see, a lot of the benefits towards a lot of the like workouts I've been doing and like my, my increased endurance of doing this stuff, like as a dad. So now my identity as a dad has really been strengthened by a lot of the fitness goals I've been, I've been pursuing. Like it's great to feel like, yeah, I've got the muscles to be able to do these squats and I'm not bending over and hurting my back. You know, so that's like another way in is not just like getting a sense of what are your clients like mindsets around these other things, but like, what are the identities that are really important to them? And can you tie that stuff together? Cause then it's like, you're not, you're not like doing a workout, but you're becoming a better dad, Mm. which is much more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You got nothing on, on fatherhood. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, You could be. You can be the greatest, greatest coach, trainer, but at the end of the day, like some of these other identities are are far more, they're going to win. <laughs> so let's say you have two people and they're doing a triathlon and yeah. one person you can, let's say same body type, same measurables in their conditioning and their physical capacities, but one athlete starts to struggle while the other gets to that point and can somehow dig deeper. You know, we hear that expression, just dig deeper, reach down inside. Yeah. Why is it that one person has that ability where someone else may not have that ability to dig down deep inside? 
Yeah. Uh, and this gets to like that second category of like more peak performance or like showing up and performing your best. Right. So mm-hmm. whether you're an Olympian or you're trying to um, really push those two extra sets of w- whatever workout you're, tr- you're trying to do, this gets to like that category. And I, I think this is like, it's super fascinating. Cause I think it's also like super basic stuff too, but this is like the, the hard stuff that we all kind of need to master. And this is what a lot of sports psychologists do. So I think what happens, like Dennis said analogy, you got, you got these two people, similar performance level, similar ability. One starts to decline. One starts to go up. I think we see this all the time. We usually see this in the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Someone's showing up like they're, you know, they're set to win and then something happens. Like they have a horrible performance right there, right? You see it in every professional support. Um, people have good days and, and bad days. What a lot of sports psychologists try to do is they try to first off set up some routines that get you in the right mindset. So whether that might be like some rituals right before, some breathing rituals, music rituals that get you like, this gets back to that cleanup song. I don't know how how this became the daddy fitness podcast, but (laughs) here we are. Got all of our, our, our dad tips here. But like, just like how when I play that cleanup song, like it's switching up things for my daughter. That didn't just automatically happen. They play that at school. Mm-hmm. My daughter gets rewarded for, for putting things away. She feels good about herself. Like all that work has been done over a long period of time to associate this song with cleaning up. And I'm going to feel good when I do this. Similarly, for anyone who's performing, you want to set up some routines, some rituals that get you in that right headspace. And that right headspace, it's it's a few things. One is your blood is pumping, your heart rate is up, you're a bit more focused, you know, you're you're ready to show up and and perform, but you're not at that high level of anxiety that might impair your performance. There's this this great graph about anxiety and performance. And too little anxiety, you don't perform well. Mm-hmm. Too much anxiety and your performance is really limited. <clears throat> but a healthy amount right in the middle that's where the magic happens. That's where anxiety actually like helps you to focus. It helps you to like tune out the crowd. It helps you to tune out the things that aren't important, like all the work you have to get done that day and all that other stuff. But you're just focused on the here and now and your body's pumping. It's healthy. Fight or flight's going. You know, you're, you're ready to perform. But too much of it or too little, you, you don't get to that magic place. So whether it's breathing, some kind of like pre-performance routines, warm-ups, music, whatever it is, that kind of stuff will get you in that right mindset, that right headspace to perform. But the other part of it, like the dig deeper stuff and why sometimes people people struggle in those situations is if you start thinking too much about your score, about like, what's it going to mean if I mess up? If you start thinking too much about the outcomes as opposed to what you got to do, Okay. You know, it's, that's, that's the thing here. And I think that's what this is, what I'm saying here, I think is not a surprise to probably most of the people listening to this. When that person has to perform, 
your complete goal and objective as someone working with that person is just get them through to the next step. You know, you're not thinking about, well, these are your weekly goals, man. If you're not going to hit this, like we're really going to be falling behind on schedule. Or you're not thinking like, hey, if you mess this up right now, like I think we're going to have to reevaluate this whole thing. Like, no, you're not thinking about that stuff. You're just trying to help them finish this rep. You're just trying to help them finish this exercise. You're just trying to help them reach this next goal. You know, for someone skiing downhill in the Olympics, you are just focused on completing your routine. But if you start thinking about gold medal, silver medal, like my homeland, what are people going to think of me, my coach, my disappointment, you're not able to dig deeper. Mm -hmm. Dig deeper is kind of about focusing on what you have to do right now. It's one step. It's one push. You know, it's Mm -hmm. that that's it. Like just focus on that immediate thing. And a lot of times the athletes that are able to get into that headspace mm-hmm. and have that mindset, all I'm doing here is I'm doing this routine I've done many times before. I'm just doing one more. I'm just focused on that. That's the mindset that really wins the day. It's easier said than done mm-hmm. when the oh, pressure's yeah. on. Is I mean, you guys know, yeah. like mm-hmm. you spend your whole career trying to be able to do that. You know, but for a lot of the folks that we're working with, you guys and me, it's um, it's just about focusing on the here and now, what you have to done get done right now, and not thinking about the big consequences of it. I mean, I've experienced that on the golf course where you're you're kind of in the zone, and you know maybe you're shooting your your best round ever, and you're just focusing on the shot, and that's the one like the big saying is one shot at a time, right? And you're going, and I've I've played around where I was eight under after 12 holes. I'm like, wow, this is my best round. Oh, this is my best round ever. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, you know what? If I do this, 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 and this on these next, mm-hmm. you know, six holes, gosh, I could be, I could break the course record. I could shoot better than I ever have. And then all of a sudden things start to tighten up a little bit. Yep. You, know, you get a little bit yep. more anxious, you know, you get a, your body starts moving a little bit quicker out of rhythm. And then, you know, so you've got it, like you said, you've got to figure out how to get back to, okay, what was I doing earlier? I'm going to focus on this shot. I'm going to go through my routine and just get yourself back into that place to kind of settle things down. Yeah. And and sometimes what helps you settle things down, some people have like mantras, like that's totally cool. Some people have music. You might, you might be taking a breath. You might have, or maybe it's a person that you talk to. Maybe that's a coach. Maybe it's a significant other, but whatever helps you to get a shortcut to getting back into the mindset of the, of the basics that, that you need to perform. That's it right there in a nutshell, man. I mean, I I think about this a lot. I don't know if you guys ever get road rage, but like, I don't know what it is. Oh man. Why are you looking at me? What's up with that? I've gotten way better over the years. Way better over the years. I mean, Neil's wearing gray. I got this toned down blue. And Dennis, you got this like bright red. So I think like there's something there. <laughs> so yes, but here, maybe a little road rage. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what it is about. Uh, I mean, we're all here in the Bay area, maybe the Bay area. So something's going on. But the last few weeks I've had like a number of times I've been like, like cut off or someone stole a parking spot. You know, I had, the, I had the dirty signal on this and that. Right. And I'm just thinking like, 
a lot of times I'm like, all right, Ollie, just focus on getting a parking spot. Like, I know if I confront this person, I'm going to escalate it like way high and it's just going to ruin. <laughs> it's just going to ruin the next hour. You know, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to have a good experience here. Like a lot of times it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, okay, focus on what matters in this moment. And what matters in this moment is I'm just, I'm driving, I'm driving from A to B. Like, does it matter if someone cut me off? Like I'm okay. Just focus on getting to the destination like, does it matter if that person took that parking spot? Maybe I'm spending a little bit more time. Like, let's just focus on what matters here. But once you start overthinking it, yeah, things can really spiral real fast. Just like Neil, you're talking about on the golf course. Yeah. And I mean, the same thing, like when, when I played billiards competitively, there were those moments where the yips took place and it was like, I physically, I can do this. I know I have the physical skills but then why is my head messing with me and why can I not overcome that? Or is, and why can't I switch this off? And why, why does that take place? So many reasons why, I mean, part of it is um, you might be getting into that place where you're experiencing too much of that stress or anxiety. Right. Mm. And now you're starting to kind of overthink things. You're thinking about the consequences. You're thinking about failure. You're thinking about what that means. And you know, one of the best ways to deal with that is just to get really good at picking up on it and being like, Oh yeah, those are those thoughts. That's, that's what happens when I'm competing in this way. You guys see Lord of the Rings. The, yeah so you know that sauron that evil guy is like this giant eye it was like looking around all over the place mm -hmm. sometimes i think about my anxiety like that like like it's great when it's focused outward on the things i need to get done but when it shifts and it's uh, focusing on like my own mind and like what are you doing man <laughs> what's wrong with you like you're gonna you're gonna screw this up like sometimes what i try to do is just be like oh okay that's that's my anxiety. Right, right, right. Let's focus it back out on like what I need to get done. Like, what do I need to get done in billiards? Like right now, like what's my best move right now, but you got to get really comfortable and familiar with that, which means a lot of practicing, a lot mm -hmm. of competing and like picking up when that happens. All right. It's not going to, that's just like what my head does in these situations. Let me get back, back to this, like anything that'll get you back and absorbed in what you have to do right now. That's what we got to got to train ourselves to do. Cause that stuff is just, guys, that's just the background noise of our mind. It's mm. not important. We don't need mm. to listen to that crap. Like how is that going to help us right mm. now? All that second guessing, you know? So usually it's, it's, it's not something someone can just do like that, but it takes practice to be able to notice it. And then get absorbed back on your performance. Like, what do I have to do right now? What's my next best move? Yeah. Cause that, that was always one of the most frustrating things for me. Cause you would hear, you know, like for the Kevin Costner movie that for love of the game, when he's on the mound and he's, and he's got all the noise from the crowd and the situation and he just says, clear the mechanism and he mm. can block everything out. So they show that in the movie where he kind of blocks everything out. And that's where I was like, that's where I would like to get to when I'm in yeah. these situations, but it's accessing that ability to get there and clear the mechanism and block everything out and just focus on just that one task. I think there's, 
there are so many ways people can do that. But the trick is like finding what version of that works for you. You know, maybe it's singing, maybe it's humming, maybe it's again, having that mantra, like focus on what's next, focus on what's next, Ollie. What do I have to do right next? I read this memoir a few years ago, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. It's by Chris Hadfield, I think. I read it because I was like, yeah, I'm curious. What's it like to be an astronaut? I read it. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm, I never want to be an astronaut. That sucks. <laughs> All like, right. that's, everything's hard. Yeah, so there's this memoir I read a few years ago. I think it's Chris Hadfield, 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 something like that. Uh, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. And he talks a lot about the lessons he's learned in outer space and how that can really help with, especially teamwork on Earth. And this idea I love from that book is work the problem. When they're in these life or death situations, you know, like, I don't know, there's a hole on the space station, they're losing oxygen work the problem. What is the first thing they have to do to solve this problem? What's the next step? Because if you're so focused on, I'm going to die in this tin can and no one will ever find me again, um, you know, you, you're already dead. Yeah. Because you know? that, how scary is that to be focused on that? But if you're focused on there's a leak, where is that leak coming from? How do we control that area? You know, I don't know how astronauts think, but like, if you just focus on, all right, what is step one? What is step two? What do I do here? It's those kind of things that help you to to get back absorbed in the problem. And this is why I think like so much of what we do is like one foot in front of the other, like one more push, one one more of these since it's you know the dad hour again i'm i'm really proud neil i i know you're you got this moment too but recently um taking the training wheels off our daughter's bikes right like this mm-hmm. is a this is like next level dad stuff like achievement <laughs> unlocked like teaching your daughter how to ride a bike this is a big deal but you know my my daughter would be like what if i'm going to fall what if i'm going to fall and a lot of it was me saying, like, you're going to pick yourself back up. All this is, is like, just keep pedaling. Just get to the end of the driveway. Just mm-hmm. keep pedaling. You know, a lot of it is just breaking it down to what's that next thing. And, uh, and then that's how you do it. One step after one foot after another. Yeah. Cause even at that age, you're already seeing some of that anxiousness about what's going to happen next. Yeah. Cause I, you know, what, what if I fall? Am I going to get hurt? It's like, no, you know, you're not going to be going fast enough to really get hurt. So don't worry about it. Yeah. We'll worry about the concussions when you're doing that <laughs> <laughs> stuff. You're pretty low to the ground. You know, don't worry about it. You might just get a knee scrape. <laughs> those long, t- those won't really manifest itself till you're in your 30s or 40s. <laughs> right, right, right. The existential dread about your life. Don't worry about it right now. And those kids, they're like, they're freaking Wolverines, man. Yeah. They heal. They heal like crazy. I'm like, how does this, man, I so do not take advantage of my youth, man. <laughs> but, but that kind of speaks to, whoa, we got like a perfect transition here to like pain and healing. Dang. <laughs> this is well done, you guys. So, I, I mean, this, this gets to that topic too of no matter what, you're going to get a setback. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
you're going to uh, get an injury in your training. You're going to push yourself too much probably, mm-hmm. or you're going to be new to something and, or, you know, accidents just kind of happen. And sometimes it has nothing even to do with your training. Like maybe some weird random thing happens. Maybe you get a car accident. Maybe like you just trip on the sidewalk. Who, who the heck knows? Right. But weird stuff happens. And that's where I think like a whole other set of, thoughts and feelings and, and beliefs get triggered about, about injuries, about health, about recovery. And for a lot of people, they probably haven't even considered that before. And, and now suddenly they're, they're dealing with it. Like about, about 10 years ago, I was training to do this century bike ride. This is back mm-hmm. when I was living in DC. I was in grad school. Actually, it's probably closer to 12 years ago now. I forgot it's like 2022. But I was I was training for this bike ride. And then I had this like I was uh, visiting my a mutual friend of ours, Neil Lowen. You remember his oh, family? Yeah. Yep. yeah, I was renting his beach house. And he had this cousin who was like six years old. And he's like, hey, Ali, you want to go skimboarding with me? And I'm like, <laughs> OK, cool. Let's give that a shot. Yeah, why don't I stand on a six-year-old skimboard and try this out? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? (laughs) Stupid, Ali. So what I did, the board went one way, my body went another way. I had a trimalleolar fracture. I fractured my ankle, uh, partially tore a ligament, dislocated my foot. It's bad news. I needed surgery. They put a plate in, all that sort of stuff. I'm good now. I'm great now. I got full mobility. I'm, I'm fine. And that six-year-old had a, had a story he's been telling people <laughs> for like over a decade now. Now the guy's like in college, you know, but he always tells a story. So what happened to me was like, I saw that as such a huge setback. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. thing I've been training for. I was so excited. I spent all summer training for this bike ride. I was so excited to do it. And now not only could I not do that, but my whole summer felt like it was like wasted and gone, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was seeing a therapist at the time. And one of the things that he told me is this is an opportunity for you to grow. And this is an opportunity for you. Not only is your like, is your leg healing, but this is an opportunity for you to have like a window into a different world being like temporarily disabled that like you've never had before. Cause I was telling him like how hard things are and how like I was on crutches and I lived on the third floor of this house and like how it was like a disaster going up and down. And he kind of presented as like, this is an opportunity to grow and learn, which I hadn't considered before. And it's not like that immediately made everything better, but it was a new way of thinking about it that I hadn't really thought about before, you know? Mm. So that's one of the things I think everyone should do is, is really try to assess like, how's your client even viewing this healing process or this injury? Like what beliefs do they have about it? Again, before you try to change someone's mindset, you got to understand it. We've worked with clients that kind of have that Eeyore-ish type of philosophy or attitude. And so yeah. when an injury takes place, it's, it's difficult to get them to really improve at the rate that we think that they should be. Because for us, I think we're like, your mindset is preventing you from getting to that position. Yeah. My physical therapist, after I was healing, and it's, it's so interesting because like my, again, what was my mindset about mm-hmm. this injury? 
was I was going to be in a cast for like six mm-hmm. weeks, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what they did in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. But now things are a little bit different. You know, they, they mm-hmm. don't want to keep you in a cast. They want mobility, as much mobility as soon as possible to really make the, they don't want you to lose as much muscle mass. They want you to keep, get the movement going as soon as possible. Right. And so they put me in a boot about just a few weeks after my surgery and then six weeks out. So I was never really in a full cast. Mm -hmm. Six weeks out is when I think six weeks out is when they wanted me to start putting a little weight on it. So I went to my physical therapist And he asked me to like walk a little bit. And he saw immediately that I was barely putting any weight on the leg at all. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Ali, I need you to put some weight on it. Like you're walking. This is not the right way to walk. I want you to walk like this. And I said, but it hurts. And he's like, it's going to hurt. Your body's not used to it. And you got a lot of stuff that's healing there. But if you don't go through that pain, you're never going to recover the right way. Like that pain is supposed to be there, but I guarantee you you do this, that pain is going to go away because you're going to get stronger. This is how you get stronger through this. That was such a wild lesson for me to learn because it goes against what you're thinking, right? You're taught Mm -hmm. to avoid pain. It's Mm -hmm. like a girl's riding the bike. Like, what if I fall and I get scraped? It's okay. Like, it's no concussion. You're good. Like pain is often the way through and like sharp pain unexplained pain like that stuff yeah we need to be very concerned about that but if you're if the person you're working with like in my case is this physical therapist was telling me this is something you need to experience you gotta change your view on on how you understand pain that this is a part of the process i'm not doing a good job explaining like how mind-blowing it was for me to understand that because it just went against every urge in my Mm. body Everything mm-hmm. in my body was telling me, don't feel that thing. Mm-hmm. And here's this guy saying, you want to walk again? You want to ride that bike again? You got to feel this thing. Well, it's funny you brought that up. Dennis and I were, were talking about like, hey, in, in ancient times, if you sprained your ankle, like you, <laughs> you kind of had no choice but to, to figure it out and like just load it and walk and, and move or else you're done. Yeah. Right? I mean, let's yeah. say the three of us are out. And let's say this is 1100 BC, right? And we're in some jungle area. One of us gets injured, right? Well, we as a community tribe still have to survive. Life, animals, other organisms don't take the time to go, oh, are you injured? Okay, we'll leave you alone. (laughs) You just rest over there. No, if, if a predator comes, if an apex predator comes along, you you have two choices. You're either going to do your best to survive or you're going to die. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that mentality is, is something that we just don't identify with today. I think a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting one. So like, it's an interesting example because people in that time frame had just a completely different way of understanding injuries, right? It's like, sometimes you, you would get an injury or you get sick and then you'd just be dead. Like you're just gone. Right. But then like a lot of other times you had to find a way to live with it and to compensate and to kind of grow from it. And I think that's a, that's a great lesson for all of us is like, you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying like 
you need to push yourself beyond mm-hmm. what your limits are. Like everyone, I'm sure this is something you guys talk about a lot too. It's like, you, you got to know what your limits are. So you let your body rest and mm-hmm. recover. Like recovery is, is mm-hmm. critical here mm-hmm. at the same time. Like we're not built to be on the sidelines. Like we are built to learn and grow and to try again. Like mm-hmm. that's when we do the best. And a lot of times, especially when we're unfamiliar, this is, I think, what gets kind of ties us back to the beginning. If you haven't had an injury before, you might not have any kind of mindsets that help you to get through it. If this is the first time you're going through that process, like if I broke another bone or had another surgery, like the one I had before, I'd really be in a good position to deal with it. Because I've gone through that experience. I learned a lot in that process. I've got a mindset now that like, this is not a permanent thing. Like no matter what I can learn and grow and improve from this, you know, I can gain a lot of mobility back or I can compensate in other ways. I can learn how to like advocate for myself, all those kind of things. But like, I didn't have that mindset then it was the first time and going through like the jungle example, if we were in like in more ancient times, those humans learn how to deal with this stuff on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, they were dealing with injuries. They saw people in their tribe deal with injuries. They, it was like an everyday part of life mm-hmm. in a way that it might not be mm-hmm. for the people we're working with. Mm-hmm. So you got to help them build up a healthy way of approaching it and learning from it that gets them back to their goals. Cause they, if this is the, if they're new to this, or if it's their first time having an injury, the stuff that they're probably thinking is probably not the most helpful. Yeah. That's one of the things is, is using an injury or pain as more of a learning experience as opposed to just, and it's an inconvenience, but it's an inconvenient learning experience that was just unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really it's just, it's an unfortunate shit happens, but to try to avoid it all together is just impossible. No, this is something that I talk with a lot of my young adults with. Like there's so much fear of failure Mm -hmm. right now. And I I love telling people that like failure is good. You learn from it and you, you learn like what doesn't work. It's really important to learn what doesn't work, you know, because you can, you can do better next time. But if things are always working out, it makes it difficult for you to deal with the times when they don't. Mm -hmm. And there's, always going to be a time when it doesn't work out. Always, always. That's just life. You know, I I like helping people get good at failure, get good at setbacks to expect them, learn from them, recover. You know, when right now, one of my mentees didn't do too well in, in applying for grad schools. And I was talking to that person. They recently graduated from undergrad. They want to pursue psychology more. One of the things I told them that they should do is they need to reach out to everyone that rejected them and ask them, hey, is there any feedback you have about Mm. how I can improve my process? Is there anything I can do to improve my chances next year? Like get that tough feedback because from that feedback, you get better. Mm -hmm. You've got a better shot next time. You know, like we got to understand our successes as much as we understand our setbacks. Mm -hmm. Structural criticism is good. You need that. It's not, we, unfortunately, most of say, oh, you're just hating on somebody. No, it's constructive criticism. And it's something that people need in order to improve themselves. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a great book I love called Peak. It's about 
it's about the science of like peak performance. Yep. And a lot of what they talk about there is, is this idea of deliberate practice. Mm-hmm. It's how people get good very quickly. And the, the gist of it is you got to be able to perform something and then quickly get feedback from an expert about how you did. So you guys do this all the time when mm-hmm. you're working with someone on their form. Mm-hmm. Like how critical is form? Like I was talking about squats earlier. I had a trainer who once was telling me that my knees were going way too forward on these squats. And she's like, you're going to blow out your knees. Like you need to like just a subtle adjustment. And that subtle adjustment has been with me now for life. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I never got that feedback, I'd be doing them wrong all this time. And not only would I not get the benefits, but I'd probably be causing myself a lot of harm. Mm -hmm. So doing something and as quickly as you can, getting feedback from someone who knows more, getting that constructive criticism is how we get better. Very true. Very true. Well, uh, I know you're on a tight schedule, so uh, we will let you go. But thank you very much for coming on again and some great information on really how the thing up above in the head really <laughs> messes and it does affect us just physically. Yeah. And how things go. Yeah. It's it's just one more important part of of our health, you know. Just like learning how to deal with pain, like learning how to deal with our thoughts. Thanks for having me, guys. I love these kind of conversations. You guys got me fired up for the rest of the day. All right. I mean, Fantastic. unfortunately, I'm just sitting in a bunch of meetings for the rest of the day. <laughs> you guys got me fired up to like do something. So maybe later on in the day. <laughs> and then, uh, if you want to give your YouTube channel another, yeah, yeah, yeah. So- you know, uh, my next video coming out, if you go to youtube.com slash the psych show, that's my channel. I talk about making psychology fun and easy to understand. The video I'm working on right now is called, uh, it's all about overthinking. So it's, oh, it's cool. all about what happens when you're too in, in your head. Ah. So I think anyone who's interested in that, come back and check out that video. It's going to be out in a few weeks. I'm um, right. working on it right now. Um, but I got lots of other stuff on there too, for people who might be interested in this topic. Awesome. awesome, man. We're going to have to get you back on again, hopefully less than a year. I know you're going to be pretty busy here. soon. Yeah, so. I got I got baby number two coming. So good thing I've been working on the squats because yep. uh, I'm going to be doing a double time now. <laughs> well, congratulations. And we'll chat with you soon, brother. Thanks, folks. Take and care. To all, and to all the listeners out there, thanks for listening. And until next episode, be good to each other. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and whatever platform you're on, either Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, please, if you could leave a review, we'd appreciate that. If you have any questions that we can answer for you, be sure to leave those in the comments also. If you're looking for more information on our education, our products, please go to www.stickmobility.com. And also hit that subscribe button to that YouTube channel. And don't forget our live Instagram classes three times a week. If you want to join in, grab your sticks and hit that 45-minute class. Yes.